Hey, we're going to have fun. Um, I don't know if you remember if you were here or not. I didn't even want to preach on Amos. Ended up loving it. But I'm really excited about Jonah this time, you know. But, um, no, I, I actually never studied the book of Jonah like I have in the last two weeks. And I've been so blown away. Um, and there's no way possible that I'm going to be able to tell you guys everything that I've gotten from this. But I am excited, and I gave Amy permission. If I keep rabbit trailing, she's just going to point at me, and I'm going to get back on track. Does that sound good? All right, but um, man, I'm just so excited. We're going to talk about celebrating repentance tonight. What it really means to celebrate repentance with yourself, with one another, and even people that you don't like so much. Amen? Amen. But um, I'm so excited. I'm just going to go ahead and jump in. We're just going to flow with it. Sound good? Amen. Jonah, son of Amittai, was a prophet. It is unknown if this is Jonah's first assignment from God or not. We do know through this passage that Jonah was a prophet. We know this by the first, book, first verse of the entire book. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Simple. At that time, you know, the word of the Lord, he spoke to the prophets. So that's covered. His hometown was in the northern parts of Israel in a town called gath Hefer. The town was located west of the Sea of Galilee and was actually very close to Nazareth. Jonah's prophetic message is directed towards the Assyrians the nation which goes on to conquer Israel in 722 B.C. Jonah's prophetic ministry took place during the reign of King Jeroboam II from 780 to 745 B.C. 2 Kings 14.25, it actually reveals to us where Jonah was born and also it reveals the conflict of what's taking place in this time period. The Assyrians were at their weakest point. Ah, oh, Siri came up when I said that. Oh, iPads. Okay. They're at their weakest point. Yes. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. Where am I? Okay. That's awesome. At their weakest point. Uh, with armies all around them. I'm just going to say these people because it's going to keep happening, okay? So Y'all be with me, right? Okay. <laughs> Jonah's prophetic message was a key for these people. This is probably the only time this army would hear what he had to say. Just a fun fact, Nineveh is located in modern-day Iraq, and we have Joppa, which is located in modern-day Israel, and Jonah decided to try and run to this place called Tarshish, and that's modern-day, it's either uh, Europe or it is, uh, I'm sorry, it's either modern-day Spain or England, so we're not really sure, but it's kind of in that area. But before I keep going, um, during worship, the Holy Spirit just said something. There's somebody or people in here um, I don't really know who or how many. There's somebody in here that they don't know what God thinks of them. They don't know what God says about them. They don't get um, what it is to be in his presence. And the Lord, he, this, this afternoon, he just kind of spoke to me about Psalm 139. So I'm going to take some time real quick. Just read it. You don't have to go to your Bible. If you want to go later, you can. If this is for you, I'd really advise you to do so. Um, but it's a word, so it's okay to rabbit trail right here, right? right. It says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high I cannot attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If, my, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, 
Even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance yet, or being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious is my favorite one, man. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. I'm going to stop right there. Somebody in here, there's a few of you in here. You need to understand that God knew you before you knew yourself. He knew you before you were created. He actually knew you before you were in your mother's womb. He knew you before your mother was in your mother's womb. He knew you before that mother was in her mother's womb. I mean, it goes on and on. He knew you. He always saw purpose for your life. If someone in here you're thinking, Lord, what's my purpose? Lord, why am I here? Lord, what do you even have for me on this earth? God, I'm, I'm too old to do anything. God, look at this guy. He's up here. He's 21. I don't care. It, he has something for you. If he knew your inward parts, if he intricately, he carefully formed you in your mother's womb, why on earth would he not use you? We have to learn that there is a purpose for every single one of you. Your sons and daughters, you're called holy, you're called righteous, you're favored by God and man. Amen. You're accepted in the beloved. I can go on and on. You're seated in heavenly places. That means when the enemy tries to attack you, he's not behind you, he's under you. You're forever victorious. It says, but thanks be to God who always gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ and through us diffused. Oh, that's a different scripture. It's to victory. Oh, it's okay. 2 Corinthians 2.14 and 1 Corinthians 15, if you want to read it. Both about victory. Pretty cool. But I need you to know that you matter. Amen. I love this church because we talk all about love. Talk all about loving people. It's not about who you are or what you do or what you can do. It's about how much we love you. Amen? Amen? Amen. Awesome. Okay, let me get back on track. Amy, you didn't point at me. I'm disappointed. I'm just kidding. All right. First point, unnecessary effort. This is one of my favorite things I learned about Jonah. When God called Jonah to go preach repentance to Nineveh, he was 500 miles away from Nineveh. But Jonah said, no, I'm going to go the other way. I'm not going to do this. And he didn't want to do it. We're going to get a little bit into that a little bit later. But he didn't want to go to Nineveh. So he decided, no, I'm going to run away from the calling God has given on my life, which is 2,500 miles away called Tarshish. So there's something about when God calls us to do something, it takes so much more of an effort to run the other way. It takes so much more effort to get out of his will. Did you know, I, we, we did this at Bible school. It was one of my favorite quotes they, they said. It was, if you want to obey God, or if you want to hear God twice, obey him once. Amen. So much more fun. That's good now, I believe that there's people in this room, you can raise your hand unless you're just super perfect, but everyone's run away from the call of God at some point in their life. Amen. You know, I have many times. I've been so guilty. And you can tell it gets a little bit more difficult, not because he's punishing you, but there are times in your life where God will actually send a storm your way. When Jonah got on the boat and he was running away, he gets on this boat where there's a bunch of unbelievers, a bunch of people worshiping different gods, a bunch of people worshiping idols, and he goes in this little corner and he just kind of kicks it by himself. There's a storm that comes while they're going to Tarshish, and Jonah's asleep. 
These people come wake up and they go, what are you doing sleeping? There's a storm, we're about to die, and they're being real dramatic, like everybody in the Bible. It's real funny. Um, next thing you know, Jonah wakes up. He knows why that storm is there. He knows exactly why that storm is there. God sent a storm not to punish Jonah, not to kill anybody. As you can, if, if you read it, nobody died. But it's kind of like what our pastor said last Wednesday, if you're here. I believe he said that, you know, if you go too far ahead... He'll stop you. And by the way, he did not hurt me. I had chest day the day before and I was sore. Just making sure we know that. Anyway, so, you know, Pastor Joel talked about how if we walk way ahead, he'll actually get in front of us and stop us. I believe while we get way ahead going the other way, he'll get in front of us and he'll stop us. And you know what's amazing is this is the Old Testament. He didn't punish Jonah. He didn't get rid of Jonah. He had a purpose. He had a calling for Jonah. He didn't want him to run away because he said, no, look, I love you so much. I want to show you that I have a reason why you're here. But even more than that, he had something so much bigger for Jonah, so much bigger than Jonah. Right. And that's why he sent a storm. If we get out of God's calling, out of, his, out, of, out of his will, he'll send something our way to stop us, not because he's mad at us, but because he wants to bring us back. He hates when his children are away from him. He doesn't like it whenever we run away from him. Some of your parents, I'm obviously not, but... I'm sure you don't like when your kids run away from you, unless they're getting on your nerves, and maybe that's different. But you can't get on God's nerves. But then we keep going, and I already read Psalm 139, so just know that Jonah knew that he couldn't get away from his presence. But see, it's crazy, because whenever Jonah realized that's why, and he knew that the storm wasn't going to cease until they threw him off the boat, he begged them to throw him off the boat. Because Jonah finally said, I can't do it. I, I just got to obey. Jonah finally realized, oh my goodness, so my obedience is going to awaken the kingdom of heaven in me. I know that whenever they throw me off, I'm going to see great things happen. I know that we're going to see people repent. I know that we're going to see miracles. I know that we're going to see the call of God on my life. It's going to be fulfilled and we're going to see great things. He wasn't exactly excited about it, but he had people throw him off because his faith wasn't that great. So he just said, just throw me off or I'm just going to be like that scared kid that waits forever to jump into the pool. Y'all ever do that? I did that. But see, some of you may need to throw Jonah off your boat. See, I'm not saying that you're one of the unbelievers, but I'm saying that there's somebody that you brought in your life or an addiction in your life or thoughts into your life, and you need to throw it off your boat because there's a call on your life, and you know it, and there's a destination you're going, but sometimes we put people or things in our lives to where that actually takes us where we're not supposed to go. It puts a storm in our way, and it shouldn't be there. Am I saying that person's horrible? No. Am I saying what you're addicted to is horrible? Maybe, yeah. Am I saying those thoughts are horrible? It's just not who you are. But we've got to get rid of our Jonah. We've got to start chasing after the call. But it's even more amazing to me because whenever they threw Jonah off, the storm ceased. Not only that, the people on the boat repented. Jonah didn't even have to speak to these people. Did you know when God calls you to do something no matter if you speak, no matter if it's your actions, no matter how far you run away, he's still going to use it. I love the saying that I've heard that if God calls you to be a preacher and you run away from it, you can run as far as you want. As far as you, want. you can get out of the will of God, but you'll end up in prison and he's going to have you preaching in prison. No matter where you go, he is going to use that gift in you. He called Jonah to go and preach repentance. But instead, Jonah went the other way thinking he'd get away from that calling. But it's so funny because God, I believe there's even a possibility that there's a purpose he was on that boat so that they would repent and they would come to Jesus and let go of all the other gods and idols that they had. 
It's amazing how God will use you. It's amazing in my, in my mind, just trying to fathom that no matter what decision we make, because we live in a free, world, or free will opportunity, no matter what, he can use it. No matter what, he knows how he can use it. Amen? Are you with me? The power of your testimony. Oh, I love this. This is one of my favorites. I, I love testimonies. Pastor Joel, Pastor Jeff, can we have like a testimony night soon? Just for me, not, not any of them. But, you know, I just love hearing people's testimonies. It just sparks so much faith in me. And, you know, Jonah had a testimony. Before I get into this, I just want to give you, like, after they threw him off the boat, I'm going to say whale and big fish to mess with some of your religion because we worry more about if it's a big fish or a whale more than about actually what happened with Jonah. So a whale, God provided, it says that he provided a whale. So he provided a whale, swallowed him up, three days, three nights, kind of like Jesus. If you read about Jonah, it looks just like Jesus, pretty amazing. Um, and then Jonah, at first, he's really uncomfortable. When he starts praying to the Lord, he's upset. He's like, I'm in hell. That's literally one of the things he says. He's like, I feel like I'm in hell. Starts talking about how it's uncomfortable and all this stuff. And later in the end of chapter two, he becomes humbled. An exalted man who, who cares only about himself, who cares only about running away from the call of God. He, he becomes humble because the Bible says that those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And in the very end, he starts saying, God, I will sacrifice everything with thanksgiving. And only, salvation only comes from you. And immediately when he says that, whenever he humbles himself, God has, he speaks to the whale and tells it to throw him up. That's gross, honestly. He throws him up onto the shore. And then Jonah sees his purpose. See, sometimes some of us, we, we exalt ourselves. Jonah had to be free from himself before he could preach freedom to other people. Amen? So, Jonah 3 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Jonah, Jonah he had the same job. He had the same calling that God had given him, the same purpose. But this time he saw purpose in it. This time he had a story. This time he saw that God gave him a second chance. And once again, if God can give an Old Testament, Old Covenant person a second chance, I'm so thankful he gave me more than one, one second chance. He gives us countless chances. That's why his mercy is so innumerable. That's why his mercies are new every morning. That's why I just love that no matter how far away we run away from the call of God, his mercy will allow us to continue to step into the, and fulfill our destiny that he's given us. So Jonah, he saw purpose. And then we see the fruit of it whenever he's preaching repentance. And God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way. And God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them. And he did not do it. It's pretty cool. Because theologians, they stated that while Jonah was in the whale, big fish's belly, they said that it messed up his physical image. Said that he actually didn't look the same when he came out because if you're stuck in a big old animal, there's probably not a good chance that you will. I mean, I don't really know all the scientific facts about it, but I mean, I have common sense. It's really hot in there and it's gross and acidic and nasty. And then I also think that if a skunk sprays somebody in East Texas, it's pretty hard to get that scent to go. So imagine if you were in a well for three days and three nights. 
So I just imagine this grimy-looking man coming to Nineveh, looking all crazy. He smells awful. People are walking by, covering their noses. He's going around saying, 40 days, 40 days, and Nineveh will be handed over. And I'm just thinking, there's more to the story. There's more that Jonah had to have done. He had a purpose. He had a testimony. He could share what had happened. He had faith. See, whenever he shared it, I believe that he would tell them, 40 days, and then Nineveh will be overthrown. But then I see it. The people come together. I don't think he just went around saying the same thing again and again. And I just, I love seeing the Bible as a movie. Every time I read it, I see it as a movie. And I see it as people come together and go, what is this about? And I just see Jonah saying, you know, there was a time where I was in my hometown. And God called me to preach repentance to you. But I didn't want to do it because I don't like you. Because the Assyrians, don't go up, they, they, were, they were awful. There were these morbid people. They actually, whenever they won wars, they would cut people's heads off. They would pull their bodies apart. That's how they celebrated. Horrible people persecuted these people. Jonah was racist towards them. There's, I mean, there's racism in this book. He hated them. He, that's why he didn't go. So he, he's saying, and I didn't want to go to you, so I ran the other way. Because I'd rather fulfill my own destiny, my own pleasure, instead of do what God called me to do. But then when I got on a boat with a bunch of unbelievers, God sent a storm my way so that I would be thrown off and a big whale swallowed me. But those people repented, and that was amazing. And then he showed me purpose for my life when I was in there for three days and three nights. The next thing you know, I finally humbled myself. I saw that you guys deserve his love. I saw that he needs, you, he needs me to speak to you. I know that he thinks I'm dumb enough to do it, so I'm here to do it. Next thing you know, he's, I'm going through the city, and I'm here to tell you that he's not dumb with you, that he sees purpose in you, that he loves you, and he wants you to repent because he doesn't want to see you die and go to hell. And I believe that's how people repented. When they heard the testimony, when they heard his story, when they saw his faith, your testimony, one man, one woman's testimony can charge faith of a multitude. We're going to talk about the woman with the issue of blood. Not long because we hear about it all the time. And, you know, I don't know how Pastor Joel gets a thousand different revelations and different sermons for that because I sit at it and I see the same thing every time. But, you know, it's okay. So we see this woman and she paid doctor after doctor. She was seeking assistance. She needed help. She was so tired of feeling the way she was feeling. She's so tired of bleeding. She had no money, no money left. But she heard of a man who was walking down her own roots down her own city and she looks up and she sees him she starts crawling if only i could touch the hem of his garment i'll be made well oh what faith man what faith is that she goes obviously we know she touches the hem of his garment she's made well immediately he says daughter your faith has made you well he goes on that's matthew chapter 9 matthew chapter 14 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole book because that's when everything hits the fan Jesus finds out John the Baptist is beheaded. He goes away, tries to be alone. Nobody leaves him alone, so he goes on the shore. And then he feeds 5,000 men plus women and children. Then he, goes, he sends the disciples off, goes up into a mountain. And then he comes out on the water. Everybody thinks they see a ghost walking on the water, but it's really Jesus. And then Jesus gets Peter to come out of the boat. And really, we could talk about how some people get out of their comfort zone and some people don't, but it charges faith for people to get out of their comfort zone. But we'll talk about that another time. Next thing you know, they get across the shore it's only like three verses. And for most people, it just kind of goes by. But this hit me. It struck me. It says that when they arrived on shore, there was a multitude of people that were waiting for Jesus, that were sick and needed healing. And it said they believed 
that if they would touch the hem of his garment, they would be made well. Because I believe that they heard the story, the testimony of the woman with the issue of blood. And because of that, it charged faith in them. They said, you know what? Because your, your testimony is not for you. Your testimony is not for you. And your testimony should not be about glorifying the devil. It should not be about glorifying yourself. It should be talking about the goodness of God that led you to repentance. It should be talking about the goodness of God that leads those to repentance. Do you know your testimony can lead those people to repentance? Every one of you have a testimony that matters. Every one of you have a testimony that has a purpose. It can reach somebody today. My testimony is not going to be like Hillary's. My testimony is not going to be like Spencer's. My testimony is not going to be like Zach's, and I love it. But your testimony should be different every day. I don't talk about who I used to be. Your testimony should not be more about whenever you were dead living in sin. It should be more about who you are today as a new creation. You should talk about what God's doing to you. You should have a testimony every single day. If it's just, I woke up today and I'm not dead, that's the best testimony you could ever have. I'm serious. If you woke up today and you said, the Lord sent me to Walmart and I got to lead somebody to Jesus, that's a testimony. If you got to buy somebody's meal, that's a testimony. If you got to buy someone's gas, that's a testimony. If you smiled at somebody and said you loved them and that Jesus is proud of them, that's a testimony. Nobody's testimony is better than anybody else's. You know, I love, love, love when Cole shares things on Facebook. Yeah, I'm picking on you. Because he doesn't ever tell you, if you're friends with Cole on Facebook, you know what I'm talking about. He always tells these miracles that happen. He's not telling these miracles because he did them. He's telling these miracles because Jesus loved somebody and he got to be a part of it. But he doesn't share it because he thinks, well, I did this. He doesn't share it because he thinks, you know, I think everybody needs to see what I'm doing. He shares it because he wants to show that the goodness of God led people to repentance. It's a testimony. And it builds faith in people. It, it's inspired me. Oh my goodness, it has inspired me so much. When I read it, I go, man, we can do this. You know, we can do, it, it, it allows you to see, it, it charges faith in me that every one of your actions, if you would just show, if you would demonstrate Jesus, you don't all have to put it on Facebook, but if you would just demonstrate Jesus, I promise you'll charge faith of a multitude because that person that you prayed for at Starbucks, they're gonna go home and they're gonna start telling their family, this guy, he just, he prayed for me and he, he loved on me and he, he told me that I'm worth it and that I matter. And the next thing you know, they start telling other people and then they see you and they go, oh my God, that's the guy. But then it charges faith in them to go even further. That's why Jesus said, greater things shall you do because I go to my Father, because he believed that he was setting a foundation because Jesus, the testimony and spirit of prophecy, or yeah, something like that. And the next thing you know, he expects us to do more. And that's why we see more. We should always see more. We should always see loving people. We should always see people with a purpose. And I love it. Your testimony matters. There's a man named Saul. His name ends up being Paul. You may have heard of him. He only wrote like two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, if you haven't heard of him, you, you will eventually. Uh, Acts chapter 9. It, he's going to Damascus. He's actually going to persecute some of the disciples. And he's on his road to Damascus. White light comes down, shines in front of him, knocks him and all of his companions off, on a don off of their donkeys. And he says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul says, who are you, Lord? And he says, 
I'm, the, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. They keep talking. Paul ends up going into the city of Damascus. He's blind, can't see, can't eat. He's not eating or drinking. Ananias is a random guy, random disciple, loves Jesus, spirit-filled guy, hanging out in Damascus. Jesus shows up and says, Ananias, I need you to go uh, meet this man named Saul. I need you to lead him to me. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I need you to lead him to me. I need you to baptize him in water and spirit. I have great plans for him. Ananias says, Lord, is this not the man that is persecuting anybody who uses your name? I know, but I have a great plan for him. I just need you to go to the street called Straight because there's a man there that's scared beyond straight. He needs to see straight and get his life straight. Right? Ananias has a choice. He can run to Tarshish or he can go to where God's called him to go. He can go see all these Assyrians or he can go run away, man. So is he a Jonah? Are you a Jonah or are you Ananias? When God calls you to do something, are you Jonah or Ananias? Ananias goes, prays for him, baptizes the Spirit, baptizes water, repents, accepts Jesus. And literally, right after that, it says that Paul goes and he preaches Christ. What is he going to preach? He doesn't have anything. But he has a testimony. It doesn't matter how much you know about the Word. I mean, we, we, every believer would love to know about the Word, I hope, but... If you don't, that doesn't mean that it restricts you from being like Jesus. It doesn't mean it restricts you from doing ministry. Every person has a purpose of their testimony. Your testimony will build faith in other people. It will charge faith of a multitude. Every single one of you. Amen? Amen. Last point. Celebrating repentance. Last week... Pastor Joel, he talked about how God's never been against people, and we kind of covered that a little bit. He talked about how we should rejoice when our neighbors repent. I said we should rejoice when they repent. I said we should rejoice when they get a blessing. I said we should rejoice when they're healed. I said we rejoice whenever they walk in the promises of God. You know, I think there's a lot of people in the church where somebody gets blessed with a brand new car, and they go, they've been following Jesus for three months. I've been following Jesus my whole life. Why didn't I get a brand new car? Just say you're next in line. That's what I do every time. Every time. I may have been asking for something for about a year. Every time, though, I'm like, I'm next in line. I got blessed with a Mac. Okay, cool. I'm next in line. Next person. Man, I just got a brand new Mac. I'm next in line. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> but it's, it's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. Whatever you say, did you know what you confess you possess? When you're speaking to other people, you're speaking into their life. Death and life for the power of your tongue. What fruit are you eating? What fruit are you giving? Amen? See, you've got, you've, got to, you've, got to, you've got to celebrate repentance. It's crazy because after these people repented in Jonah chapter 3, we get right into Jonah chapter 4. This part cracks me up. Because we see that God's destiny happened. His plan, he always wanted people to repent because he wanted to have mercy on them, Right? Jonah goes and he obeys, and then this is what he says. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was this not what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Jonah knew God was going to show mercy. 
He knew God was loving. He knew that he was kind. He knew he was forgiving. He knew he was merciful. He knew if they repented, he would have mercy on them. So what does Jonah do? He goes out and he pouts right outside the city. Like a baby, man. Cracks me up. But then there's this pastor. I've never seen it this way. I, I told Jeff and I got so excited. I said, we've missed it, you know. It said in this random pastor, he said, not fear of failure, but fear of success prompted Jonah to run away from his calling. He didn't want to see these heathen people to be saved. He didn't want these people to be saved. He wanted to see them have God's wrath fall right on them, their judgment come right on them. That's why he ran. A lot of times I believe that's why we run. Lord, what do you want me to do today? I want you to forgive your neighbor and love him. <laughs> I'm out, you know. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. Lord, what do you want me to do? What, this looks like, when Jonah went and preached to the Assyrians, it looks like if we were to go and preach to ISIS, how many times do we hear people talk badly against ISIS? They just don't know who they are. And a lot of people don't want to hear that. But if they knew Jesus, we would not have a such thing as ISIS. We would have a bunch of people that live in unity, one body, one king, one grace, one love, one forgiveness, one mercy, one church. There'd be no war. I don't think God likes war. It's a New Testament. I don't believe he loves war. I believe he loves lovers. He loves the merciful. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in spirit, for they shall be filled. He loves us. That's what it looks like. Jonah went to ISIS, and he started preaching to them. And he's mad because he said, they're still doing all this bad stuff. They're still cutting Christians' heads off. They're still doing all this. They're still doing, they're, they're terrorizing people. They're blowing up stadiums. Love them. Because I've said this last, two weeks ago, I said, if, if I don't show love to one person, somebody may never show them love and they might go to hell. That's right. Come on. I don't want ISIS to go to hell. That's right. Come on. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. But Jonah said on the outskirts of the streets of the city, and he said, he didn't say, but this is how I, I just see him with his arms folded. He's just pouting. Wants nothing to do with them. Do you know whenever you lead someone to Jesus, Jesus doesn't just want you to leave them hanging. He doesn't just want you to give them a Bible. He wants you to meet up with them. He wants you to come back and say, hey, how's everything going? When you pray for someone to be free from something, he doesn't want you to walk away and never think about them again. Actually, whenever you're doing your normal thing during the day and you think about that person, that's probably the Holy Spirit saying, hey, check up on that person. That's right. Because my generation, at least, we're all about authenticity. We care about the real thing. If it's not real, we don't want anything to do with it. So my generation, I always, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm just encouraging somebody, if I'm ministering to somebody that's my age, I check up on them because I need to be loved. They need to be cared for. They need to be taken care of. But Jonah cared more about this plant that God provided for him because a worm came up and ate it because God was testing him and proving something to him. Because, see, he provided a whale, then he provided a plant, then he provided a worm to eat that plant, then he provided a wind. Jonah was mad about that. He said, you cared more about this plant than you cared more about my people. How many times do we care more about things for ourselves or do we care more about how we're blessed and we care more about people? We've got to care about when people repent. That's right. Come on. When we pray for repentance, we've got to mean it. When we pray for revival, we've got to mean it. But if we don't do that, then all I'm going to tell you is don't pray for what you can't pay for. Come on. Right. 
Don't pray for what you can't pay for. We spend so much, I've spent so much time. God, I just pray for revival over America. I pray for revival in the church. I pray for all, but, it, but, but I'm not paying the time to invest in the people. I'm not giving them any notice. I'm not acknowledging them. I'm at Walmart and I'm caring more about getting into Walmart and getting whatever I need to get and getting out before somebody, I see somebody that I know. He had to check my heart on that. I had to pay for it. I, if, if we're gonna pray for people, I can't pray for somebody that I led to Jesus but not pay the time investing into them. How are you doing? How's life? If I see someone crying, I can't just pray from a distance like I have. Oh, God, touch them and I keep walking. But I got to pay that moment of, I may be here for an hour. But if they meet, if they meet love for the first time from another person and they see Jesus, it could be worth it. We can't pray, continue to pray for unity in the church if we can't pay the cost of bearing to look at somebody across the sanctuary can't pray for unity in the church but we have to pick and choose who we want to come and pray with us for somebody else because we don't like that person can't pray for unity in the church but yet we can't go to a church because that girl that you used to date or that guy you used to date or whatever they go there too thank you (laughs) we can't pray for repentance if we can't pay the cost of celebrating repentance for every single person every person matters Every heart matters. The cross is for everyone. Jesus is for everyone. Heaven, I believe heaven is for every person on this earth. You cannot tell me that some people deserve to go to hell. Because Jesus took the cross. And he said, forgive them for they know not what they do. And that didn't go away. But that actually stayed forever and ever. So whenever someone comes against you and they try to offend you, or they say something because they just don't know who they are, we don't get mad at them. We don't get unforgiving towards them. We just say, God, forgive them for they know not what they do. They know not who they are. As a church body, we get the opportunity to see who people are, not who they used to be, not the past decision that they made. When someone comes into this church, you know, I, I, I would not care. I would actually love the person that walked in here and he just smoked weed before he came in here. So I'd be, I, I'm that person that I believe in people so much that if he came up here and he repented for what he had just done, I believe with all my heart that he will never do it again because I love him so much because the goodness of God leads us to repentance. I believe that when someone comes in here, someone is, they, they, they have a hangover from the night before, I don't care. I'm so happy they're here. Because if they come to repentance, I believe that that'll never happen again. Because if the, if the power of God, if the love of God touches somebody, there's nothing you ever want again. If the Lord most high touches you, there's no high that could ever replace it. Come on. Does this make sense to you? Can I get the worship team to come up, please?